Welcome to Design Your Life, a podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. Gives me great pleasure to introduce Marina Willer as the next guest of the IG series. Marina is a graphic designer and a filmmaker with an MA from the Royal College of Art. She was the first female partner at Pentagram London and has led the design of major identity schemes for Tate, Amnesty International, Oxfam, and recently the Opera Ballet at Flanders. Willer's first feature film, Red Trees, premiered at the 2017 Cannes Film Festival and was released worldwide by Netflix. A personal story of her family's escape from the Nazi occupation of Prague to start a new life in Brazil. Marina has received a variety of industry honors and is consistently recognized as a leading figure in UK design. There we go. Welcome, Marina, to Design Your Life. Hi. Nice, nice to see you, Vince. Thank you. <laughs> uh, lovely, lovely to catch up with you. Um, we caught up a few days ago, or a few weeks ago, actually. I think when I, I've been trying to kind of ca- catch up since um, to get this podcast happening, but it's so cool that it's happening tonight. Uh, you're in London. I'm in Sydney. Um, we've both got COVID on our minds, no doubt. Um, how are things for you there in London at the moment? Uh, I think for all of us, it's been really weird, right? And there's a side of yeah. it that is, is like it's lovely to be uh, close to the family and be able to be together in such hard times. But there is... Uh, uh, it's really weird that everything is so uncertain and you worry about, you know, other people who are more vulnerable and you worry about where the world's going to go. You worry. It's, it's very strange, isn't it? So yeah, I think we're all yeah. doing what we can to keep very busy at work because we have to, and then to do things to keep the mind in a good place. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's funny because I, I, I'm, I said to you recently, I've, I've been very up and down with it. Some days I'm feeling very positive and okay. Uh, we're relatively fine in terms of the, the amount of work that we have on right now with the studio, but my whole team is rotating. Uh, one team is in every day. So working three, four days from home and then one day in the studio. Um, but I don't know. Today, today I felt like I lost my optimism and I'm normally a very optimistic guy. And um, it's 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 odd. It's just that feeling of is this going to be like this for a long, long time? Um, you know, Melbourne's got massive restrictions, and now Sydney's beginning to get you know another surge. And he's got oh, it just wears you down, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's weird. It feels like we all go through those waves. Like I was just exchanging email with my partner at Pentagram. Harry, Harry Pierce, and he was saying, oh, I just, mm-hmm. he was, out, I don't know, in the country for a few days and came back and was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm locked in again. So, yeah, and last night my husband was saying, yeah. like, sometimes there's a wave you go through and you, you, you realize this is not going away any soon. And and that idea of that this is the new normal uh, is quite daunting. And, um, you know, like I said, there's, if you have a family, I think it's much easier in a way because you're mm. around it, which is amazing. I'm yeah. really worried some of my designers are on their own, you know, like if you live in a small bedroom because yeah. it's so expensive, isn't it? Rent and everything. And to yeah, be in a good place and to keep, you know, and also it's so tiring the, the Zoom thing all the time. So, but, you know, yeah. we feel very lucky, both like you. We have a lot of work and we have, you know, love around. So it's it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. So in terms of you, you staying sane, you, you run every day in the park, is that right? Yeah, I, I run and yoga and then I think <laughs> run yoga and doodle. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Good uh, combination. A, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good combo, yeah. I, and then I just spend time with my guys here, uh, the twins and Stu. I think we, you know, we've been cooking and we cycle a lot as well. Because thing is, even though we are working even more, I don't know if it's the same with you, mm-hmm. but it, 
kind of accumulates in a certain way because we're not all in the same room and it, you know, things which are much more seamless between uh, us and our teams become a bit more, um, you know, a bit more complicated. And then you work more, but then you're not going out, going out for dinner, going to the cinema, all the things Mm. that you normally do. Therefore, we kind of, yeah, we cook, we cycle. And London is kind of opening up. You can go out for dinner and things. Mm-hmm. But we just feel we have to do our part in trying to stay safe. Uh, we do have, like, now and then started to have a dinner out, but only if it's a place that is doing their job in keeping things safe. Otherwise, yeah. we, yeah. yeah we just don't think it's worth risking. No. We've had partners. A pentagram who had COVID and friends, and it is really, really tough. And uh, I think people don't realize how immense this is. And mm. when you see in London, you know, I live in Hackney, there's a lot of, if it's sunny, like there's the crowds in the park are insane. Yeah. And you think, oh my God, this is going to go wrong again. Yeah, yeah. And it will. I mean, that's the scary thing, is that that's what happened here. Um, certainly in Melbourne and in Sydney too, it just, it just they loosened up everything and everybody just started kind of gingerly going out and then all of a sudden, bang, you're in a restaurant with, you know, a hundred people standing around you and um, total disregard to the situation. But now it's all popping back up again. And so it's just, yeah, it's just going to be very frustrating to be in lockdown again. I heard, I heard today that they were like, you know, in the UK, Boris Johnson did an amazing thing where he announced that no more uh, fast food advertising, banning fast food advertising, which I thought was amazing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. To be honest. No, it's like... At least one good thing. Yeah. yeah it's, like, <laughs> it's like my dad tells me the news of us in Australia from England. He knows it before I do. I'm just giving the news today that you haven't heard. <laughs> But um, it was great. Yeah. Jamie Oliver was so thrilled, just saying, oh "My God, this is incredible! Um, what a what a strong move!" Because obviously, something like sixty percent of the population is obese, and putting a huge amount of pressure on those individuals and, and the health system. Um, and it's it's I mean, it's great if they're um, serious about that. Serious, yeah. No, that's a great move because obviously, the more unhealthy we are, the more we you know, people are going to suffer and be affected. So it yeah. is, I think everything is systematic, isn't it? You need to make changes that are going to help us live a bit better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that uh, what what we do as designers and what you do um, from the outset is, that, you know, you're designing situations where using creativity to change things for the better um, and inspire yeah, people. Yeah, and I think we're feeling that also like the businesses, the clients that we have, which are in that mindset, are thriving. Mm-hmm. And we then have projects which are, you know, and of course, digital plays a big role in that, that you can use it in a positive way. So the future of whatever it is uh, for the industry can be reshaped now to work better but those who are just attached to the old models are struggling more because the world is not going to be the same ever again. And so we've got, you know, some good opportunities coming out of this. Of course, it's hard if you're like in hospitality or something, what can you do? So, mm. uh, and I think even we are talking a lot amongst our partners because we've got a lovely studio, you know, because you work there and, you know, but, you know, does it make really sense to keep there? Because we are like you, we're going one, I go once or twice a week with a couple of people. Each team is working a bit like that. Mm. But it's like a ghost town at the moment. Yeah, we don't, because uh, most people are not feeling safe to go back because they have to take the tube mm. or whatever. So, um, yeah, it, I think it is an opportunity to redesign life a bit. And, yeah. and that means for ourselves, for, and with clients, because I think design is not just graphics and beautiful things. It is as well, but they have to serve a purpose, don't they? And as we see, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to change industries and mm-hmm. the way, you know, we've got even a, a digital bank is the biggest in the world. And 
they are super uh, of a generation that also wants to do the right thing and not charge the crazy fees and this and that. And you can because you don't need to have these buildings full of people. You can just no. work in a liquid kind of invisible way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think it applies to so many areas, but it, it depends on how you take it. You can, you know, use digital to to just uh, make things worse, or you can, you know, maybe create new systems that are more fair and you know. And uh, so I think. As hard as it is, it is an opportunity, as we've seen that with the environment as well, how much it's helping that we're not taking flights for granted anymore and travel for granted mm. because you need to read before you do those things now. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it really is an opportunity to uh, to reflect and to redesign your life, redesign your business, etc. how you do things. We're, we're in the same situation. We're, I, I was in the studio today because I had a couple of meetings, but, um, you know, we've got a very large studio and literally there was I think, maybe six people in there. And I actually felt quite sad um, because there's a, in the courtyard, there's a wonderful cafe that's normally just full of people and the energy and the music and laughter. Um, the studio's always got people coming and going. So there's a wonderful feeling of flow and energy and people doing great things. And it just felt, like you say, as a ghost town. And, and it's quite, I don't know, it does the opposite for me now. It makes me feel quite sad uh, and, um, yeah, long for how it was, but realize that, that, it, that it won't go back to that, no doubt, and that we need to think about, uh, you know, have, working in a different way, which is, which is what we are and a lot of people are doing. They're just, they're just getting out of leases. Um, you know, we're we're move, we're going to move into a space that's kind of a quarter of the size that we currently are because of how we're working. We just we're going to meet meet there, and, you know, exchange ideas and things like that. But people will be moving much more towards working from home. Uh, I think in the long term. So it's, I, exactly, and that, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because if you think carefully, even if of course, we want to have studios. It's so important, isn't it? But we can't all be in at the same time anymore. And that space between people will be requ a requirement for quite a long time. Therefore, what is the scale of, you know, a studio? What? And that's the thing. So, for yeah. example, at Pentagram, we've been, uh, me and a couple of other partners have been going in once a week to make it nice again, you know, mm. like bed plants or whatever and having more <laughs> cycle rugs and uh, so you you know people and also doing a bit of signage so that people don't all uh you know bump into each other and stuff mm. but then we are doing that at the same time as having to cover all the computers because what's the point of having because most of the time people are not there so mm. it's a, a straight in between stage but no one knows what the end of the tunnel will look like and and when is that either? Because we thought it would be like in September, but everyone's feeling not really. Maybe that's, you know, and there's things like, for example, a pentagram, as you know, the partners always met uh, in, what, every six months. All the partners always meet and it's such an important mm. part of our culture because we exchange everything, all the work we're doing and all the finances are transparent so everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. And it's a lot about, their community bonding, so they keep caring together for the business as a cooperate as a co-op. But we can't meet anymore. It doesn't. It's not. You know, maybe next year. I don't know. But this year has been impossible, and also um, it it doesn't feel like even if it was safe, it's probably not a priority for. You know, we can't spend the money, or we no. can't justify flying around. So we meet virtually, which is really shit. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like everyone, like it's such a downer, isn't it? Like you present work, and then the silence at the end is like, oh great, that went down really well. Didn't it? <laughs> it's just like there's no momentum. Um, They're doing emails a, a probably. Yeah. yeah, we did a talk with Paula the other day, just for everyone at Pentagram, just to to see if we, you know, to get their bonding, <laughs> and it was stunning actually. But still, you have to break the awkward silence that. Mm. there's something really weird about the digital world isn't it it's just like there's a moment that no one speaks and no one knows who's you yeah, isn't it yeah, yeah. and uh 
I was just thinking. You're, you're from, from here, you know, English people are already a little bit, you know, can feel a bit awkward. <laughs> and, imagine like that, right? Oh, you're funny. <laughs> Absolutely silent. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's funny when you when you're talking about pentagram. Um, I can just I, I, and I spent five years there, so I I, I know it every nook and cranny um, very well. Um, and it's just interesting thinking that it it hasn't changed in all those years. It's, it's still I was back there a couple of years ago, and it hasn't, hasn't really changed. The physical space is still very much as it was, and it's been like that since the seventies, right? Since it was set up in that uh, building yeah i think i think it's a really really identity isn't it it really Um, is but i don't know if we'll be able to always keep that because of course that was uh, i'm talking about london of course i mean new york they moved and they went you know much more they've got a spectacular space and all of that but I don't know if it works so well for this reality now. Mm. And in the London one, we still totally adore, but it, it, the the area became very expensive, which is hard for us to keep. And mm. um, I don't know, again, you know, with new, it's, it's because it's a um, process which is very organic of management and, and yeah. uh, you know, there's a bunch of, partners and there is no boss and making decisions happens a bit organically mm. uh, but not always the easiest way to manage things in the state of sort of almost emergency you know yeah. and uh, how you manage quickly so there are challenges and I think we are we've got lots of amazing new partners but you know I feel for some of them because coming in in this time and period you can't even be together in a room. Mm. So there are challenges, but at the same time, we are speaking more than ever because you you have to, right? Yeah, you have yeah. to keep talking and figuring out together. And I feel very close to everyone and, oh, and in sympathy with degrees of pain and <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really good. I mean I think I think it's interesting that that thought of you know, is a design company, does a design company or I guess any company have to have a physical space? Because that used to be such an important part of the culture and the place where people came together. Uh, it said very much the taste of a place and the, and the aesthetic and the, the flow and the well-being, et cetera, is, is, is really interesting that going, if we didn't have a physical space, would we still be a business? Would we still be? That's the kind of question. Yeah, I think Paula has been. You know, I talk to Paula now and then, and and she's always been. You know, I adore her and uh, such an inspiration. She's but she said, what, what's the point if we can't? You know, she's getting really itchy because I think she she misses being with people, and mm. um, it is going to come to that, isn't it? I think some businesses are based on a way that it really doesn't matter so much and even designers I've always admired in a way I'm, I'm what's the word uh impressed uh, but by, by Matt Pike for example how he and Universal everything um how they can be in different sheds or whatever mm. in different countries and produce the incredible work that they do yeah I think our model is is really always been very let you know human not corporate so which isn't a comparison with that but it's you, you know the, the the and living by design as you know was always the kind of way that you know the initial book of pentagram and, and the yeah. idea that the the whole framework was important that's why we didn't because pentagram london is designed by one of the founders therefore it's got a lot of those values it's really industrial and I think it kind of brings that history, but in a good way. You know, I think history can be a bit heavy, but it's it's a it's a lovely place to come back to when mm. you can. Um, but yeah, I think all of those questions are you know up in the air now. Could how long can we maintain this? And I'm sure if you speak, I know you're very close to John Rushford, for example. They mm. do, wouldn't even consider not having no. that. Uh, and I'm also a big fan, but I do. Uh, recognize that um, you know it's a big thing to carry if we can't be together there anymore as much so you know we're all hoping for some miracle next year vaccine and mm. stuff but there might be other viruses that come and yeah, yeah, you yeah. know you can see the world is very weird now isn't it and unfortunately 
with some of the leaders we've got internationally, it's so hard to have, you know, to trust that these things are managed with any care and yeah, respect. Exactly. It just feels like, yeah, we're not in very good hands in many countries, which is makes the whole thing very difficult. And how, how does it work with you? How, how, have you maintained your energy with working on client projects? I mean, how, how have you found it with, you know, any new business coming through? Have you found that? I've been very, yeah, I've been very lucky because I was, um, I'm working on a couple of, I've got a couple of very big clients ongoing and they're incredible. Uh, we're launching an incredible brand in September, which is like, uh, like exceptional luck that I had to be working with them. And then I've got a lot of, um, I tend to get a lot of projects which are arts and culture or charities, you know, and some of them are really small. So I'm trying to test if I can do some of those, like in a new way that I can still afford to work for people with very small budgets Mm. because I find the, the combination really healthy that you can do some things in a few days and have incredible sort of instinct towards what is right. But of course, it's always done with strategy and, and in mind and stuff, but not agonize over decisions and keep, you know, in a way like when you're working with some of the startups of some of the uh, more independent, small yeah. businesses, charities, that you can still do that mm-hmm. because I think it keeps you very versatile, agile. And with the bigger ones, it's not that we don't create quickly. It's just that they need to go through layers and layers of approval and, and you know, you kind of keep changing so that you incorporate all the the feedback and the, you just have to learn to do that as well as the other and then my, I try to do my a little bit of my own little bits, uh, not with any. At the moment, I'm trying to take the pressure of creating uh, self-originated projects. Uh, they are just fun things. They're not like when I made my film uh, a couple of years ago. That you know, those are big tasks that you put on your plate. I think right now it's all too much. <laughs> yeah. So we just keep working some you know, fiddling on and, and, and playing around, fooling around uh, to keep the mind, you know, fresh. And yeah, that's think, more or less it. I think that's really interesting what you're saying. I mean, I, I certainly have I've always done that, having uh, a mixture of, of, of different scales of clients and uh, a lot of charities, a lot of kind of cultural projects, as well as the big corporate ones. And it, and I think, and you're right, yeah. they do, they do bounce off each other. It does actually help you with your, general mental uh, well-being too because they're not all big. There is a diversity, which is yeah. um, good to have. But then equally with a, yeah. with a business, it's hard with I'm sorry, it's hard with a business sometimes and making that work because um, you know, other people in the business might say, well, hang on, you're, you're working too much on charities or whatever and it's kind of, you know, you're losing money and all that kind of stuff as, as people normally say. But Maybe this new way of working means yeah. you're more agile and uh, less costly as well. Exactly. I think it's good to combine, but um, also not just not that anything is more fun than the other thing. I think it's just knowing uh, and keeping the, the different ways of working uh, happening in your mind. And I think like we're doing a project with uh, Richard Rogers Architects for a new town hall, which in, is, is a, of, as you can imagine, is a Labour uh, town hall here in London mm-hmm. and council kind of thing. Um, so it, but because they went to Richard Rogers' team because they want to really reinvent what that kind of category is and make mm-hmm. something extremely open and democratic. And as you know, they've done the Pompidou and they've mm-hmm. done so many things that are really sort of turning things inside out almost. So this is, again, one of those, which is incredible. But then you're working in a me- with clients that you have to tick so many boxes. And, it, you know, it's not their fault. It's the way democracy works, right? So everyone has to feedback. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, it has to be maximum accessibility, inclusivity, all those things that really restrict the things that you can do. Mm-hmm. But I found it really interesting to think, how can we design something that 
for someone that is colorblind is going to work. For someone that is blind, you can describe the design and the person can imagine. Mm-hmm. For some, you know, all the things. So the brief becomes like, it's, you know, you start thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to get my partner, Sasha Loeb, to design some funky font to do this, you know. And then at the end, you're like, no, it's going to have to be really clear and straightforward, but beautiful and all of that. So mm-hmm. I think... The, Thing is to say it's a crazy process. It's like a hundred people giving you feedback in calls in Zoom, and everyone, you know, the call keeps not working and all of that. And yet, you have to think, how can I do something amazing with this? So I think sometimes I finish the call, I'm crying because I can't, you know, <laughs> you can't keep up with it because the technology and everything. But oh, at the same man. time, just surviving that and and get the idea to survive that process. It's really, you know, it's the which because it's quite easy to get when it's a couple of clients, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You, you you get what you need, you understand, you work with them, and you create a solution. But when is this really crazy process? It's much more challenging. Mm-hmm. But yet, I think it's an interesting thing that your your work or creativity has to navigate through that and still give them something that works for all of them. It's it's quite insane, but I find that these different ways of working all help you become more able to cope with situations and respond. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess you've got to be really, all your senses need, need to be, like, just so aware. Yeah, aware. And I have a friend is one of the RG guys who's from Brazil, and he says which I actually stole from him a bit because I feel the same, that for him to design interesting things, he has to always be really present. So wherever you go, you're like a bit of a sponge, you know, and sometimes you see like, you know, like, you know, plastic bag flying around or whatever it is. And you think, oh, you know, and everything is absorbed. Mm -hmm. But if you just walk at your phone, then you don't absorb anything. And then... There's nothing to, do you know what I mean? It's all sort of material, isn't it? When you see something, you know, funny things that you see on the streets yeah. or the way someone decorates their window, you know, all these really. It's it's um, inspiration. Yeah, it is. And, and it also is challenging the idea that we have to be some kind of creative gods. It's really the opposite almost. It's, we just have to create things that work for certain situations, but with the surroundings incorporated, isn't it? And all mm. these ideas that we absorb and see can become other ideas, which is really uh, a nice process, I think, mm. to work with. And do you find it, does it get easier in time for you or or, or, or do you still find it um, challenging? I find it that it gets easier, and that's one of the <laughs> one of the uh, what's the, the consolations for for not being like in your twenties anymore, right? <laughs> I remember when I was a junior designer, it was really fun in one way because we didn't have the pressure mm. that you could just do whatever you wanted. In the times, at least when I started after Royal College. Uh, you know, you go to an agency and they really want your wacky, mad things and you do them. And it's just because it's interesting that you come from a different perspective. That's your role. As you grow in the business, there's more pressure. Uh, so there's a period there that is quite painful because you're having so much responsibility. Mm-hmm. But then with time, I think you relax and you just see that the, the, if you work through problems first collectively with your team and also by really trying to to understand what you know what is the strategy for this design what does it need to do what we're trying to say and then when you actually i think bob gill used to say this that the thing designs itself almost Mm -hmm. because you know it's about i don't know say there was a charity for aging um you know, for the aging communities here. And we were working with them. And it was so clear that your whole thing was about sort of turning a, a age on its head and making... So you kind of, the more you understand the problem, when you get to design, you almost know what you have to do mm. because it's clear 
it's not just oh let's find a nice font or a color it is really how do we address this problem so i find that still really uh interesting and i think it gets easier because it's like gym isn't it the more you do the more you exercise the more comfortable you feel when you yeah, run or something absolutely and the first time is a disaster isn't it i remember beginning of lockdown i was probably the worst runner like <laughs> mr and then now i'm running 10k and loving it and it's not painful so it doesn't mean i'm good i just mean i can get away with that <laughs> yeah fantastic <laughs> Um, one of the things that you worked on when you were at Wolf Rollins is obviously the brand of at, at the Tate, um, which was obviously huge at the time, wasn't it? When was that? Was that 20 years ago or something? Or was that not as much as that? 20 years ago, and it's still there, which has been really nice too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Was that, um, is that something you worked on as a junior or were you a more senior? At yes, I was a junior. I was, I had just joined and they did like an internal pitch. Um, you know, every, all the design, not were, several designers were pitching ideas. There was a, sort of, a, you know, they were having lots of workshops with, and, and some of us came in and, and we, like I said, were trying to really understand the strategic task that, you know, and then I was coming in very much with straight after our college and and uh, with kind of crazy methods. So I, cre I created it in doing projections in a room and installations. Every day I would do a different kind of Tate mm. and project filming. And then from those, uh, we got an, an ever-changing kind of identity. And at the time, it was quite a new thing, this oh, ever-changing. Yeah. To, yeah, and I think I do. Yeah, anyway, it, it has been, and it was very hard. That's an example, actually, because suddenly they they picked that approach, but I didn't have the experience, I think, to just go with it. Like today, mm -hmm. so I'm doing an identity for Moholy Nagi, um, which is such a brilliant project. And it's kind of coming from a similar place. Mm -hmm. And it's been so easy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, I wish I was like this when I was doing Tate. Because once we create the thing, and then I was being like, yeah, how do you get it to the right resolution? How do you? And it's a bit, it was a little bit the beginning of the digital mm. thing. So we didn't have, you couldn't just use coding to, you had to do it filming and then turn it into a thing and a thing. And um, so... It's an example of, you know, I think coming fresh to things we, we mm. don't have pre-established sort of views of the world so much, which allows you to go a bit off piece. Mm. But then experience, you also pay the pain of not being at the time, not knowing exactly how do you turn this into a system. So, of course, there were being at Wolf Orleans, there was a lot of people that helped to make that uh, a, a system that worked for all the different Tates and you know and, yeah. and how do you you know make this size small size big size all the things that you know you you um now are easier but still you know when we do use techniques like that even if you create it digitally you you have so many more ways of of making technology help you deliver in multiple formats and all the rest. Yeah, I think at, the, at that time, it would have been probably a lot of people saying, you just don't do that in branding. Like, you don't have that many Yeah, I think there was a lot of and... doubt. It was amazing because I I think it was a bit like the guys at Wolf Orleans were a bit like, oh, she's a bit crazy. And the <laughs> The client was the one who really persisted on, I, I want that route. And I really, because uh, it was Nick Serota, the director at the time, and he was such a visionary and wonderful, to really challenging, but wonderful to work with. And when, because I stayed there for a long time, we worked with uh, Tate for about 10 years doing, you know, uh, uh, the sort of redesigning inside the, the the timelines and the in some of the exhibitions and mm. uh, we did image. so it was an incredible experience which I know for me meant a lot because then later I was able to do many more projects in arts and culture like um, you know serpentine or 
or you know all kinds of we did the opera ballet of Flandres last year and museum and Basel things that I've enjoyed so much and uh, I think I was lucky to be there in that time uh, and also to align you know with the the thoughts of some of the the people you know and at Wolfolins uh, and in the client side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I when I had my studio in London too, I was at Serpentine Gallery as one of my clients, and it was just such a oh, wonderful cool. client to work with on their, I think it was their monthly newsletter, but also the catalogs and exhibitions and things like that. I just, I do, miss, oh, I do miss that in from London actually the 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 rich cultural uh, aspect of you know society there. Yeah, you know, I um, shouldn't say this, but it, never mind. Um, I saw that they just changed <laughs> their brand, but it's still they're still using our brand on on in space there mm-hmm. and online. And, sorry, not online on signage because we did all the signage kind of even we redesigned this, the framework for the sign, mm-hmm. the hardware and stuff. And they are still using our branding, but I think online it has changed now, wow. which made me quite sad. You know, we all like that, right? When you do something that you think, you, you think is good and then there isn't really a need for change, you feel, well, why would they do that? So, yeah. <laughs> but they told me before was coming and, you know, I, there's a new director of um, marketing and, you know, fair enough, it's their thing. It's just, I always feel that design, I don't know how you feel, Vince, but I think you change things which are either not working or they don't reflect anymore the vision of the the organization, and then you have to change. Um, but sometimes you think, you know, and and, and yeah, but that's a, a small point. Also, with COVID, they probably were planning things, and then you can't quite do everything you wanted to do. You yeah. know, like maybe they have to change also the physical spaces, sadly. But you know, it's their decision, and I respect. I have had a really great um, you know we still work with some of the we, we work with the Rotos Royce Arts Program we've done their museum their identity and that's been launched already and we you know sometimes they, they were doing events there and it's really lovely mm. that they as well no, so we incredible. sometimes design spaces and, yeah. and that's one of the things I have designed a lot of um, not a lot but I, I kind of made maybe accidentally got into exhibition design and that was one of the things that was really happening before COVID. So we designed the Kubrick exhibition oh, and wow. Ferrari Design Museum. And it was really a, a, an area we were super enjoying, even though it's so hard work. Mm. Um, but now I can't quite see us going back no, to that because how is anyone going to afford designing, making incredible exhibitions if the numbers are so much lower yeah. of visitors that so I can't quite get my head around how that is going to work. Yeah, how will it be in the future? Do you ever get opportunities come through, just talking on that kind of topic of, you know, designers sometimes just, someone might just redesign something that doesn't necessarily need to be redesigned or throw away everything and start again. Um, do you have that, Do you ever have clients come to you and you go, you know what, we want to completely rethink this or completely change it and you feel like, uh, I want to hold on to hold on to an aspect of that of the of the yeah, heritage. I I do. It's funny, but because now, like I said, we've been doing this for a couple of decades at least, and I do see brands that we designed change and not fully, but still, and get. And then you think, oh, God, it's gone so much worse. So that's one thing that we have seen a lot because someone else tries to bring a thing to the thing and doesn't quite work. Mm. But I'm thinking about this. I always ask myself and the client, do you really need to change? You know, because I think we shouldn't take for granted the efforts that go into rebranding anything and the investment Mm. So I'm trying to think of, for example, Amnesty, I designed their identity, but you wouldn't be crazy to change the candle logo. So we that was the first thing we said, don't change it. It's not a question of liking or not. 
is so recognized yeah. and so serious what they do. You can't afford to not get the message through. If you're trying to save someone who's in Guantanamo Bay or something, you need them to see that logo and go, oh, shit, we shouldn't be torturing this person because Amnesty is here, mm. right? So that's an example I just remembered. We also did, so we designed the, the language around it, uh, and that's also about 20 years old, I think, almost, or 15. But um, but we kept it really simple so that it could work across anywhere in the planet, really not relying on printing processes or anything that is difficult. So, you know, a guy in his garage might be doing some silk screen or some stickers, and they can still use its Arial, the font or something, you know. Mm. So it's quite straightforward. It's not Arial, but it's almost, it's like, yeah, mm. trade gothic or something. Yeah. But it's not... It's quite easy. Um, also, Oxfam, we did, but we did change again quite a lot the, I, the the broad language which is there, but the logo we only adjusted because we again thought, and they said it as well, this is so valuable to us. People know us. And you may, maybe here, not so worried, but if you go to, I don't know, Kenya and they're looking for this emergency help, it's this, this logo means a lot. So I think you always have to ask those questions as well. It's not whether it looks good. It's, you know, what are, what are, what is the benefit of change? Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of what is more important here? And, and you have to weigh the pros and the cons mm-hmm. before you change some of the things. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's just not a good idea to, you know, to impose the cost or the, the, the loss of something that is very recognizable, you can't justify it sometimes. Mm. So that has, it's funny, like I remember when Michael Beru talked about the MIT identity, which I love, but we, I did like the one before and so did he. And the, and I remember, I, I'm saying like, I, I, I have no involvement with that, but I remember <laughs> him talking when he changed it. And, and when he said to the client, are you crazy to change this? Uh, but then there were a million reasons why they needed to do it. And then Michael did something that was even more incredible and relevant to respond to their problems. So mm. I think it's really about le- leaving your ego behind in some of those conversations and thinking what is needed here. Mm. And it's funny, it was architecture, you know, great buildings are listed, for example, right? Or you have to kind of ask for permission before you go and just take a chimney off or something. Mm. But our profession, <laughs> not as, <laughs> I don't think we got to that level of uh, respect or anything, right? So <laughs> it's like, oh, let's take another chimney on this logo. And it's something like, what? It looks like a Frankenstein now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it- and there's a lot of stuff just because now with digital methods, you can create organic uh, I, I don't know, sort of participative languages and stuff that you can easily get yourself in a mess, right? Because mm. there's no framework. And, you know, I know because I love your work, Vincent, I know it's very grounded on some kind of modernist care for what works and what doesn't work. And there's a structure, there's a com- sense of composition. There are things which need to be in place. And mm. then you can create a framework and then you can say, now I've got an uh, ever-changing kind of identity, but it sits in some kind of frame, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it's not like anything will go. And and there is a lot of stuff that we see, which is like, oh, just because you can, doesn't mean it's a good idea. Yeah. To, you know, you really put some kind of framework that is like, like again, a good building has an incredible composition and, and structure it might have open spaces that can be flexible but it does have a, you know balance and a good mixture of materials and you know you do study those things and and you try to put some components in place so that that change is happening within a framework mm. but i do sometimes get really surprised some really big brands right and the, the the surprising thing is they are successful, but I think it's despite the brand sometimes yeah. because they, you know, everyone loves Google or whatever, but you sometimes look and think, oh, my God, you could look better than that. You know, like <laughs> could have a stronger uh, sort of design ethos and vision yeah. than just kind of 
yeah no, i totally agree actually i mean it's having that it's having that long-term vision but also looking out and how how things will pan out but also how looking at worst case scenarios and where it can break you know it's like where things will fall apart because uh, that often is the case where something not not thought through very well doesn't often last or as soon as you hand it over to anybody it just starts to break you know whether it's uh yeah. I experienced that in magazines and newspapers. Yeah. yeah, more complex. You know, like a newspaper, oh my God, that was the hardest thing ever, redesigned an independent newspaper. And that, the, oh, speed, the speed of all the editors on the day, it just broke. It just kept breaking everything. There's no, there's no like, you try to put a lot of rules and structure into it and thinking about how is it going to work. And they're all trying to bust it. They're all trying to cram in you know, as many words as possible, yeah, they're kind of so like, uh, so it was such a stressful thing. I remember that. But I have so much respect. I don't know if I could, I don't, I, I know that I couldn't probably, I've never done anything like that. But when you see, you know, some of the, you know, and what you just mentioned, that example, or when you see Matt Wiley's work for the New York Times and how you can create things that are incredible of course, then you probably need a team that is amazing to follow yeah, up on that. Yeah, but yeah. It's the most kind of clear notion of having a robust, like almost scaffolding, isn't it? Mm. That, and then you have to understand that it's still, you have to populate it in a way that doesn't stuff it with so much shit that you can't see through anymore, mm. right? Yeah. Um, very interesting, I think. And uh I think you know so many fame and, and some of them pentagram partners and and your example and how different uh designers have dealt with that kind of problem mm. uh, it's it's really i find it fascinating and and information is um so necessary, and people read less and less, so if we can make those things more attractive and easy to connect with. Mm. It's such an important thing in Absolutely. our times, I think. It's not as valued as it should be because obviously it becomes um, almost disposable, isn't it, with the digital? Yeah, totally. And when we used to just, and we all, I'm sure, collect and love having those beautiful publications mm. that just lovely to read and to immerse into. And keep yeah. as well. Well, that's just kind of interesting talking then about what what led you into creating your own feature film, Red Trees. Yeah, it was. I think I always um, I always made short films, and that was never with commercial intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did many at Royal College was the thing I was mostly focused on, and did lots of little films for MTV for a period, and and again. People like Richard Rogers himself always asked me to do films that were more like artist films that he could show in his exhibitions to uh, talk about his ethos rather than to show stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I loved that. And I always um, wanted to do a film about my father and the journey they had surviving uh, the Nazi occupation of Prague. And I the more I felt the world was going weird with, you know, the refugee crisis and the lack of tolerance growing and growing, I just wanted to do something about that that could hopefully, you know, uh, you know, we all do our little bit. It's not like major, but I thought it's my small contribution. Mm. And uh, things started to get worse. It, it was before, just before Brexit and Trump, I just felt more, this is an important subject. And also I think there's something interesting when you combine personal with universal, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is a story, my story, but also their story. But maybe it's also the story of so many other people and uh, some survived and many didn't and were not lucky like my father's family was. And then they ended up in Brazil and, I am Brazilian because of that, you know, so, mm. so they came from Brazil. But it was a real epic journey to escape. And um, But again, everyone in that period in Europe was going through very difficult times. And, and Europe almost 
you know, uh, it shut down in a way. It was in such a, got in such a bad place, I mean. And I think uh, at the same time, new places that were welcoming refugees really were clever to absorb that opportunity and be, you know, open rather than closed. And I think that's what the story is about. So even though my father's family was originally like, he happened to be born uh, Jew as a Jew or part of a Jewish family, but no one even followed that as a religion. But then that for that having that in your sort of history, you are persecuted and you haven't got the chance to survive too many. And it's so crazy, that isn't it? So random. So and and we are a very very mixed family with all kinds of beliefs and mm-hmm. and colors and. I think that makes us, um, you know, it's always been an interesting thing for us um, and for everyone in Latin America who had the experience. I'm sure the knowledge that came from other countries is incredible and, and it's a positive thing and kind of wish that in our times we were a bit more wise to embrace uh, different races and colors and cultures. Mm. I mean, you see people from Syria it's so well educated it's such a developed in many ways uh the education is so developed and all of that and they are you know living in refugee camps and having their lives wasted it's very mm. sad would you do so it was a reflection on all of that those things and yeah. also making films is an opportunity to do something that is more artistic i guess and not not trying to um there's no the brief comes from yourself right mm. and yeah. Would you do another film? I think I will. I just feel that right now it's too much. There are a few. I almost started another project that kind of uh, sort of accidentally came to us. I, I like making films with the same kind of when there's something that you feel it's really you almost you feel com- what's the word uh, compelled to talk about because it feels that it matters to you. Uh, so it has to have that feeling. Oh, it's just, you know, light little films that I make about uh, silly things. But I think uh, other than that, I, you know, and, and there are things that are happening and coming. But I, I think right now um, I find that there's quite a lot on our plates and we just have to do the work we do really well and keep sane. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, what about... Um... Your your partner Stuart, um, yes. you met at Wolf Island, so he's a brilliant designer as well. Um, how do you guys make that work? I mean, like obviously you met through design. Do you, do you spend? Yeah. Do you kind of talk about it night and day? <laughs> <laughs> no, we. I think God. Um, I think we both say that we save each other really from from any madness or anything because <laughs> I think we feel so lucky we've got family with and so much love and and also we do help each other in terms of talking about you know if there's a situation um or a project that needs a bit of a different um you know like take on it or let me what do you think about this so we, we do that and um we feel just really lucky and actually it's great that we're both it's not like the boring kind of conversation about, you know, client days and billing and stuff. It's more, much more, you know. <laughs> yeah, because don't we all have that. department here you say that. But we are billing. They are not paying. Sorry. <laughs> it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does happen. But I don't think, you know, I think that would be uh, annoying. It's more like we try to do creative things together yeah, as well. We cool. go out cool. cycling and then we all draw with the children and mm. when we travel so it's it's i feel that it's it's worked out i mean we couldn't work together that would be crazy but um but we can you know kind of inspire each other i think that and uh and also i've seen him going from uh well like myself from junior all the way through to running our own businesses because when you are a partner at pentagram you run your own business yeah. and he is his own business yeah. and you know, and especially now, it's tough times for all of us. Yeah. So you have to be really on it. 
Yeah. It's tough in new times, isn't it? That's the thing. It's all new for everybody. Yeah, and I think what I'm seeing with uh, also my designers is that, or, or designers, the pentagram, those who are agile and easy to adapt are finding it much easier, I think, mm. because of the flexibility and the uh, and being open to whatever, you know, and that's that's the scary way that we have to it's a bit scary, but if you embrace change better, it's easier, like everything, isn't it? It's easier to go with it. What, what, uh, like surfing, isn't it? You never know if the what kind of wave you're going to get, if it's going to kill yeah. you or it's going to make you have fun and uh, allow you to have fun. So yeah. we have to be able to What would you um, What would you say to your uh, the younger Marina, um, you know, the early days, just starting out now, knowing what you know? I think I'll just say chew and enjoy. <laughs> I think I've always been a bit of a workaholic, and I think I know you too, Vince. We, yeah. it's that you have to. I mean, I wouldn't have done the Tate Identity if I wasn't there really late every night and every weekend. It was insane. Mm. But I think I think sometimes I feel that young generations don't have that and and uh but i don't want to treat everyone in the same way there is a a sense uh of self-protection which is fair enough isn't it but the millennials are a little bit more uh, they wouldn't go crazy like we would about mm. you know do anything to make some work piece work mm-hmm. uh and that sometimes stops you from the extraordinary uh, ideas that can happen but at the same time I feel uh, it's good not to be um, so overstressed so I probably would have said to myself enjoy because it's such a wonderful time to uh, in your process I really feel for the young people coming out of college now mm. because Christ I mean it's really hard isn't it to yeah. know if you're going to job and this and that but uh it was hard enough it was hard enough without this wasn't it it was hard enough without this and i think the one good thing is if you are very creative and talented you still will get a job i think there will be and more versatile and i was looking at the lcc um degree show online and there's some brilliant work and some of them are people who I know so well who interned with me and I wish they could all, I could give a job to all of them, you know. I'm so impressed by, you know, some of the stuff that is coming out. And I think partly is because designers in this generation are much more versatile and that is a very good thing. You know, Mm. you come out of college, you can code, you can animate, you can screen you can da 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 you can design fonts of course you still have to have your passions and you shouldn't have to do everything but i think that not being attached to one medium is more um is more well it's easier right now and uh with you know technology and and i think that versatility is what will help uh with creative versatility as well mm. will help you know some of them really shine um, so even though it's against the odds, I think it, you know, I'm seeing that, you know, people like Tony Brook, who we adore, um, uh, and, and his work is so amazing. He is, you know, I can see he's picking good people and, and there are, you know, there are opportunities because we are still busy, right? We haven't shut down. No. <laughs> so we all can, we still need talent and we need talent that is more able to adjust to any situation. So the more versatile you are, the easier it is for a new grad to, you know, and that means mentally, creatively, and technically to a certain extent, yeah. because you don't, you know, like I have to say, when I finished for college, I was doing a lot of film, but I needed an editor. I couldn't edit it mm, myself. Yeah. I did every work. I did this and that, but I wasn't because I think simply the systems weren't so easy. So you couldn't just get a bit of, Final Cut Pro or, or Premiere and do a bit of animation as well as that. You needed the extra. So I'll be sitting with an editor. I mean, you can't, you know, the new guys kind of do a bit of everything, yeah, which is yeah, incredible. They do. they do. 
No, it's incredible. That generalist approach is is um is coming coming around again, I think. I think it's, it it's is, quite liberating. It doesn't mean you can't, you know, be in love with print, for example, and, and really focus on that. But I think, it, and then in that case, you probably will go for a more specific type of work. But the work that we, and I think I recognize in you as well, do is more like about systems and languages which are broad, right? Mm. So you do need people who can do this, that, and the other to test. So if it's not, doesn't mean you have to, fully build a website or anything like that mm. it means create an identity or a system that will work really well online as well as on whatever print sound all kinds of things and the more you can produce mm. those things the yeah the greater the chances of success i guess yeah um i think that it, it, it kind of it's kind of interesting you touched on that putting the, the effort in and the time and I, and I very much in a similar kind of headspace with you in that regard for uh, all my time at Pentagram and since has been, I guess I take it very seriously. I have a lot of fun, but I take it very seriously. And I will put, you know, my me and the team will put whatever it takes into uh, getting a great solution. Um, sometimes there isn't a, a quick way of doing it. And um, the quick way isn't always the better way. Um, yeah. And I think that, you're right. That's kind of the maybe sometimes it's a bit of a cliche. Those wee hours of the morning when you're still there working away when everyone else has gone home. There's something, even though you your eyes are bleeding and and uh, uh, you don't feel good. Health, well, well, your wellness is at all time probably uh, rock bottom. Um, there's something that comes out by just pushing that little bit or that a lot harder. Um, that comes out that wouldn't have come out if you had just went with the first idea or, you know, may, managed to make it work between nine and five, for example. Yeah. And I think that... Um, yeah, I can feel that if you're too... You have to, again, that's back to flexibility, isn't it? You have to work in slightly more unusual ways and be able to. So if you're going with something and it's six o'clock, but we still get start getting started here, you just have to keep working and uh that doesn't mean people need to be slaves of work then when you know the other day you might not be around and just go and chill but there is there isn't an, the nine to five approach or six is really counterproductive uh to the way the creative mind works so mm. it's about finding ways it can still be healthy respect the team of course you can't just impose crazy hours mm. but Unless you're John Rushworth, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John's got his own. Yeah, he's got his own time his zone. Own <laughs> oh, <bless laughs> Oh, man, I remember that. I know. And he's very, sometimes, now I think it's different, but before COVID, you'd come, sometimes if you came in and at night, you just, the only person in the studio still would be John, you know, working at 11 or something. It's oh, quite wow. impressive. That's cool. Yeah, and now he had the, you know, sorry, this is distraction, but he uh, had the baby not long ago, and then he would go home to, he doesn't say this, but we know, it's very sweet, go home to sort of put the baby to bed and then come back to the studio and work really late. There is something about the model of Pentagram. There's so much pressure on the partners that we all have to work really hard. And you know this, it's not like, I've. it's a bit the opposite of what you see in some of the big agencies where, you're sponsored by groups and you get these really big salaries at, uh, and you start to work more as a management person than necessarily put your hours to solve client problems or creative problems. Yeah. We just love time and have to make it work financially and this and that. So it's kind of on you if the thing hasn't hasn't been done by six o'clock. You're the one who will remain <laughs> And uh, that's no way. I mean, and some designers really are there for that ride. And some are more, you know, trying to, I guess, the self-preservation yeah. and all. So it's a combination, I guess. Yeah. Well, you're still going strong um, and still doing credible work. So congratulations on that. And I think that, oh. um, you know, you're, you're a true inspiration. And, and I think that, um, especially at times like this, uh, it, 
it just shows your your passion for life and humanity and ideas it's just really you know so important um and so such important contribution to you know our world and i that you know i think that uh i want to thank thank you for all the, the incredible work that you've done over the years and you know the constant as i say constant inspiration and seeing you from afar is always um is always wonderful and um it's been really great catching up with you today and, and hear how you make it all work. Because um, I know at times it's not easy, um, but it's really cool how you've um, how you make it work with your family, your creativity, your clients, and your, your partnership at um, at Pentagram as well. So it's been really great catching up with you, Marina. Oh, thank you so look, much. Look forward to seeing you. I do know I love I love your work, so it's it's always lovely to oh, you're sweet. to talk. It's nice to connect as well because we hear from each other how different people are you know coping and and making it work let's say mm. so yeah i say the same to you it's, it's really your work's also inspiring so thank you for inviting yeah thanks marina take care of yourself yeah and we'll speak soon okay. yeah take, take bye thank you thank you all for listening if you want to find out more about designing your life head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective. If you enjoyed this episode and found it inspiring, please don't forget to review or subscribe.